Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe Zomabete on SAFM. And we are back, and I am back running the show and taking over the you? show. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> oh, you forgot already. I'm your date for tonight, your co-host. I'm Leanne Mites, and we're about to move on to our second segment of the show. What's Look, your claim to fame, Leanne? What's your claim to fame? Uh, what's your claim to fame? Because I'm sitting here next to you, so now we know. Hey? <laughs> EFF Treasurer General, Miss Leanne Mateus. Thank you so much for that. 891 If you want to participate in the conversation, please do keep that dial open. We are more than happy to have your conversation, your thoughts and views. Leanne is my co-host and she takes over. Yes, as I do take over. So, <laughs> he's shaking his head like, yo, this woman is like so out of control. She must never come back to my studio. Yeah, but I will. I might come back in like January or something. What do you think? Okay, so now it's matric exams and matric exams seem like decades away for me because it's been a long time. But we do remember all the jitters we have experienced. So we've got 60 days before the matric final exams. So grade 12s are feeling the pressure. And by now you should start strategizing how best to use their time before these watershed assignments. The Independent Institute of Education says pupils should also keep in mind that the final exams are often pitched at a slightly more difficult level and purpose and to serve as a wake-up call. And most important steps to take the right now are first to avoid panic. So please avoid panic. The second one is to take your power back by putting in place a winning strategy for the weeks to come. But it is on all our learners. One is how parents can help and support the kids at this crucial time of their career. We are now going to have Mr. Peter Creel, who's from the Independent Institute of Education, and he's on the line. Welcome, Peter. Good evening and good evening to the listeners. Thank you. So come and talk to us about these metrics who are stressing and what advice do you have for them? Let's start off with what the parents should do. Well, I think parents at this stage should just support their children and be there and give love and attention, ask questions. You know, really, parent support should be at a distance to some extent, but also in their face to some extent. And, and that's a very hard balance to keep. Yeah, what sort of questions should they be asking? Because, you know, you find parents that will be like, oh, how was your day? How are you going? And you just say yes. So there needs to be specific questions. So what are you saying? How must parents engage their kids? Because also kids at this age, they're like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, it's okay. You know that. So we need to be able to ask those drawing out questions. Give us some uh, tips, Peter. Well, I definitely think from a pupil perspective and therefore parents is that studying at this stage should not be approached randomly or haphazardly it should really be focused you know so my first piece of advice to parents would be to get their children and i don't like talking to parents but in this case you Mm -hmm. asked that question yeah to review prelim exam papers you know go and have a look and determine where you did well and where you struggled and then Focus on the areas where you worked hardest but struggled the most, you know, because that's the area that's going to come back and catch you. Okay, so you're saying that this is what the, the our metrics need to be focusing on. 
Okay. Of course, the matrix must focus on that if they're self-disciplined enough, which mm-hmm. I would like to believe they are, hmm. but also the parents, you know, to go in and ask what were in the past exam papers, where did you struggle, what did you do well with, and that's a, a kind of support from the parents' perspective mm. to the to the young people. Mm. You know, Peter, the reality is that the majority of South Africans, they don't have a parental structure or even an adult environment. You know, we have huge child-headed households. We have actually matrics who are actually raising their kids right now, uh, raising their younger brothers and sisters and it's just hard. It's like extremely difficult and it's a reality for the majority of South Africans here in the country. What advice do you have for them? Because they don't have that parental figure. They don't have neighbors. I mean, they might be neighbors, but everyone is just trying to get by. What are you advising those matrics who are writing exams now that are looking after their younger brothers and sisters in South Africa? Uh, they might not have food tonight to eat. Uh, they've got just burdens. Give us some advice for them. Well, of course, that is really a sad situation in our country mm, and, and such some a other reality. countries too, you know, because young people are in those situations. But I think my advice to the matriculants, whether they're parents or looking after their siblings, is that their focus now should be on the trick, you know, because mm. in little spells maybe, and it's very difficult because if they make a success of matric, they may be in a better position to look after mm. their siblings and their kids and and, and uh, those kind of things. So the focus has to be on getting through matric. I mean, there's difficult circumstances all over. Some young people at university level are in the same position and they need to focus and they need to look forward. So that's my advice to young people. Say, so, yes, it's difficult. We acknowledge that. But you've got to put your head up and look forward and try and make it easier for yourself by following a couple of simple guidelines, examples, pieces of recipe, whatever you you may Mm. want to call that. Yeah, so essentially it's, you know... It's a short period of time. You're just going to have to make some sacrifices here, and there is a, a bigger picture. And I mean, the bigger picture is not even all that glorious because even after matric, we have such limited uh, institutions of higher learning for them to be enrolled in. Uh, okay, that's another story for another day. Let's get our matrics ready to write exams before I go <laughs> off on like a whole troll. So, what else are you suggesting? So, let's talk about maths. Let's talk about maths because we know that just in general, uh, as South Africans, we just are struggling uh, with maths and science. Well, maths, like any other subjects, are either easy or difficult. You know, so some young people find maths easy, and others find it difficult. Same with history. Same with uh, English. Same with science. Same with biology. So I think the recipe to success remains the same. Um, Looking at your prelims in, in this context mm-hmm. to make you, ha- make you successful in your final exams remains the same, whether it's maths or biology or science or business economics or hospitality or whatever the case may be. So my next piece of advice would be to complete past exam papers. You know, there are many exam papers out there. There are ones that your teachers should give you. There are ones online. I mean, I visit web news websites quite regularly, and quite often you get links to past exam papers. So mm-hmm. even if you struggle with math, working through past exam papers and 
seen, what they cover, what they ask, what they don't ask, very importantly, is a way to cope with it, you know. So it's all in about preparing yourself to be ready for the exams as opposed to just focusing on what you're not good at. Okay. Peter Itsongas, or the co-host with Ms. Leanne Mateus. Um, I just want to ask a question, which is somewhat going to deviate from sort of the line of question that Leanne has employed, but nonetheless still quite relevant for the 18-year-old. When you talk about somebody who has been through the schooling environment in South Africa 12 years and then they get a certificate out of that, and Leanne has lamented the true value of that certificate given the fact that it, it hardly gets them into institutions of higher learning, for the most part, nonetheless. Can we look at the value of that certificate for an 18-year-old in terms of the skill set that that individual possesses. In other words, for the most part, our education system doesn't inculcate skills. Maybe you might get that sense of skills inculcation at a technical school. But your average 18-year-old cannot fit, cannot turn, has got none of those artisanry skills which themselves allow one to be employable or better entrepreneurial. Are there ways in which the IE, the Independent Institute of Education, for instance, through its research and advocacy, is probing alternatives to the education system, which for most parts is a test of one's memory? And that memory is based on what one is taught and the resources that allow one to be taught efficiently. Yes, I hope I got your full question because the line cut out, so I didn't get the full question. What I heard was about the value of matric and, uh, and what higher education can do in order to contribute some value in education. No, is that no, correct? No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, is there a way in which the outcomes of the 12-year education cycle could allow those who are matriculants can at least possess some basic skills, artisanry skills, your fitters and turners, your mechanics, your plumbers, the works. Typically, what would be found at a technical school, can we have that enrolled en masse such that for those who won't have the opportunity, for whatever reason, to migrate to tertiary institutions, they at least have some basic skills that allow them either to be employable or better entrepreneurial enough to start their own businesses. Are there ways in which we can shift the focus of a matric certificate from just a memory tester to a space or certificate Mm. that allows one to see that this person has got some skills that they can use in the community? Well, of course, yes and no. You know, if you take 15, 20 years ago, matric was really something that added skills and value and, and led you to be employable. Unfortunately, in today's society, and not only in South Africa, but internationally, matric is often not good enough. You know, it gives you a certain level of skills, but not enough to go out in the place of work and say, well, I'm here, I'm employable. Some young people, of course, depending on their own determination, etc., would find themselves in employment. But unfortunately, matric or grade 12 today is not enough to go out in employment long term and make a success of yourself. So my advice to young people is really to get in as difficult as it may be. So I'm not diminishing the fact that it's difficult and some people uh, find it challenging and the financial mm. reasons and, and, and. But my advice to young people is really to try and get some further education and training, whether it's higher education or TVET or even on-the-job skill set training, that would stand mm. you in a better chance than just matric.
So yeah, I guess we say in, in essence is that we rather have metric that we don't uh, rather have your metric than not and use it as a stepping stone for other things. But I want to talk about your actual institute, and this will be the last question because we're going to go to news in three minutes. So if you can just sum it up, the Independent Institute of Education. In terms of what research have you done in terms of our curriculum here in South Africa? I mean, one, we need a decolonized curriculum in our schools. We also need to deal with the issue of gender. Um, in our schools. So in terms of that and on the worldwide scale, what ha- what has your institution done? What research have you done? Because uh, we know that to make changes and to change, to reconscientize our nation and South Africans in particular, it starts with school, the issue of gender, gender-based violence, the issue of racism. It starts all there. So what are we doing and what needs to happen uh, in terms of curriculum at school? What can your institution tell us about that? Right, well, we we don't often use the term Africanization or decolonization in no, curricula. We focus on transformation of curricula, which includes things like gender violence, transformation, Africanization, etc., etc., etc. And that is a daily focus of our institute to make sure curricula are one accessible and two appropriate for the students we serve. You know. If you put it simply, right in simple terms, if you use examples in your curricula that is not accessible, and by accessibility I mean understanding to all our students, Mm. that curriculum will fail. The teaching will fail, the learning will fail, or there won't be any learning. So as an institution, we believe in curriculum transformation, generally speaking, and that goes all the way from decolonization, Africanization, and also within our own context, you know, make the curriculum accessible to our learners mm. from all walks of life, not certain walks of life, but all walks of life. Okay, so are you just saying that transformation, you, so you're saying decolonization is part of transformation? Correct. Because, oh, okay, and transformation also includes the issue of gender as well and Africanism as well. Because, I mean, I, I mean, you just look at our history books. I mean, what are we learning in the history books is there's nothing. There's hardly anything African. I mean, when Mama Winnie does not even feature in there, but we must learn about Jan van Riebeck, etc. So those are important things that need to change. But thank you, Peter, for coming through. Uh, and we hope that your institute continues doing the wonderful work that they're doing in transforming our and decolonizing and Africanizing uh, our curriculums at schools. And thank you for coming to talk to us about the Great Twelves. Now we. Sorry, Good luck to all our great wealth. Thank you so much. Okay. And now it's news time. 2059. Thank you so much. Great host.